Welcome to Everything Belongs, a podcast exploring the subtleties of living, creating, leading, and thriving while in the deep end of life. I'm your host, Madison Morgan, and here with me and my weekly guests, you can expect curious and brave conversations all centering around what it means to live into the process of awakening to our worth, wholeness, and power. We will talk about personal, collective, and spiritual freedom, riff on sovereign leadership, living in levity, and bridge the mystical with the down-to-earth and practical. There is not much we shy away from here because at this table, everything belongs. Today, I am in conversation with Willow Rising. Willow is the energy projector specialist. And if you don't know that terminology, it is human design terminology. Willow is an intuitive guide for highly sensitive women who uses human design as the foundation for her practice as she holds space for those navigating major life rebirths. Willow holds space for those seeking to finally connect with their soul's purpose and life mission. And through everything she does, she aims to equip her clients with tools to return to their inner power. By helping her clients live in harmony with their energetic design, she helps them live clear, confident, and empowered lives. And what I find so powerful about this conversation with Willow is that it is this combination of human design, energetic sovereignty, and self-care for highly sensitive people that she really specializes in. And so many of us have identified with highly sensitives or we know about human design or we have heard the word sovereignty, which is kind of a buzzword right now. And she anchors it all together in a way that can bring people home to what she refers to as their native frequency. And I believe she got that term from Miriam Hasana. So we talk about in this conversation, everyone's authentic frequency, or as I say, their true essence, their, their true nature. We talk about different energy practices for being a sensitive being, why Willow found human design and chose it as a major guide to help people come back to themselves. We talk about the basics of being aligned with your soul's frequency and your authentic energy and what sovereignty is, what being our own medicine is, and how to build a toolbox for each of us to return to our inner power. Willow talks about the most important key to living our authentic design according to human design and gives vibrational support for each type, which is really unconventional and not what you think because Willow has a much more nuanced view of human design than any other practitioner of human design and teacher of human design that I have ever heard. So I'm super excited for you to hear this conversation today because I think Willow brings some depth and nuance to the human design conversation that I had not previously heard. So let's dive in. Willow, thank you so much for coming on Everything Belongs. I have been following you on Instagram for about half the year and have loved the way that you talk about human design, the way that you talk about being a sovereign being in the world, especially this year is so important. And it's just a really big honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to speak with you and I appreciate uh, you reaching out. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So you describe yourself as someone who teaches human design, who teaches energetic sovereignty and self-care for highly sensitive people. And so that's that's three categories that are different, but all go together in such a really beautiful complementary way. I'm wondering how you came to a point of like discovering these tools, discovering what a highly sensitive person is. Could you share a little bit about your journey? Oh, totally. So um, I reached a point in my mid-20s when um, I kind of just hit a lot of burnout. Um, I grew up in a very religious um, home environment, and so for a long while, a huge part of my identity, even in my early 20s, was really um, uh, wrapped up in church and church culture and church environment. Um, And so, I was experiencing career burnout. I was experiencing massive shifts in my personal beliefs um, uh, with um, just kind of shifting away from church beliefs. And so all of that kind of came to a point and I realized that what it boiled down to is that I wasn't happy. 
Um, I wasn't happy with my life. And I actually heard a podcast about spiritual trauma um, that sent me down a rabbit hole of researching and reading books about that topic and kind of um, it led me to unpack a lot of the things that I'd hidden away, all that church stuff that I just kind of thought I was done with. Um, and it really led me to like th- that summer was just my personal summer of like reawake of, of awakening. Um, reading about spiritual trauma led me to unpack other stuff that I'd gone through unrelated to spiritual stuff. Um, and it led to a lot of personal healing. And in that space, that's when human design kind of came into my life. And um, when I, I didn't know anything about human design other than just run your chart by entering your birth information. And I just felt so seen. Um, I used like mybodygraph.com, which I'm not affiliated with, but they do have, they provide like a little description about the types on there. And I read a little thing about my type, learned a little bit about my human design, and I just felt so seen on a soul level. It felt like, I just felt like my body lit up. It was the weirdest thing because I had no idea what any of this information meant. And at the same time, I felt incredibly known by it. Um, And then, of course, the next uh, focus of my um, little side researching and studying became all about human design. And through that, I realized I have, like, I'm a highly sensitive person. I realized that... um, it actually shocked me to learn that there were actually people who are not highly sensitive people. I had just kind of assumed that everyone experienced life in a really vivid way um, by just being sensitive and attuned to, you know, the sounds in the room or the way the lighting is or the way textures feel. Um, And so in a lot of ways, human design opened me back up to um, my soul self and um, also gave me a lot of reverence for even just my human self. And um, I find now that through my work with human design and the way that I even use it in my own life, I'm really interested in harmonizing the two. so not no longer raising up or positioning my soul level self as being better than or worse than my human self, but really just allowing um, me through my expression and my being to um, be like a, a marrying of the two, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm wanting you to share more about this, this soul self, because I've not, I've not heard it described that way. Would you say that human design is your soul self or would you say it's your human self? Okay. This is, this is a juicy question. So um, what human design is for people who aren't, um, who are brand new to it. um, Human design is really a study of, um, it's like a map of your personal energy. So there's like soul stuff mixed in there. Um, Some people will say it's like your soul's map. I'm sure I've even said it's your soul's map to your intentions for this lifetime. Um, I find that can be kind of confusing. What I'll say is that beyond human design and like all the words and the types and all the things we can put on it. I think that we each, and I actually learned this from Miriam Hosnea through her New Earth Mystery School, um, but she t- teaches a lot about home frequency and how we each have our own unique vibrational essence. We are a fractal of source um, incarnated, and 
what I believe about the aura is really that it's an extension of our unique essence. It's a, it's something that emanates from within us. So we are not just who we are in these physical 3D bodies, but we're also um, vibrational beings at the end of the day. We are energy. Like we literally are energy. We embody um uh, we have our own unique frequency. I think human design helps us live in tune with that frequency. So in this way, I really see that human design helps us human in a way that will enable and allow for more of our soul level self to be embodied on earth. Because when we, when we align our, like, human actions and the way that we do life in a way that is actually supportive to our soul level self, we can experience so much more flow and so much more ease and harmony. And ultimately, I think that's the purpose of human design. It's not a rule book, but it's really something that you're that you can use in an experimental way to really identify what are the things that support you in being your free and expansive self. Uh, So I'm so not about approaching human design in a very literal way. Um, I'm much more fluid (laughs) in how I use it and how I use it in my own life. And I think that's just one of the key things that makes human design very different from other types of personality tests or other types of natal chart systems, um, because it really is about the energy at the end of the day. I love the way you describe that as like almost a native energy, like your, what do you call it, home frequency. Yeah, yeah. I like what you were saying that. Natal ener- native energy, yeah, it, 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 that feels really true compared to even looking at my horoscope or looking at my Enneagram. Those have been really helpful tools along the way, and I really like them. But what feels really unique about human design is it felt like permission more, mm-hmm. like in, more than you might have a tendency to be like this. It was like whenever you're being authentically you, it feels like this. Yeah. And that felt so, like one of, I, I don't know what the cross is. It's something, a cross of strategy, um, incarnation cross of strategy or something. And that's, I'm a 4-1 fixed on that. And so I'm like, it was like, you're a great matchmaker. And I'm like, I am a great matchmaker. Like I, like it was the first time someone had ever said that to me. And I realized how many people that I've like literally even paired up and have gotten married. And it wasn't a conscious thing. It wasn't like I was trying to do it. It just was happening. So yeah. in a way, it just felt very affirming of like, oh, I'm just this way. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so glad that you felt that from human design. Um, that echoes my own experience of just feeling so much permission. And also what I um, usually that's the first thing that a client will say uh, when I'm working with them and we touch on something in their chart. They're like, wow, I that is me. Like, that's exactly it. And um in human design, something that's so important is that it's it's also a map of our potential. So it's not always that certain things, um, it's not about good or bad or um, being judgmental about what is in the chart. It's just about saying that these are the particular qualities that you likely embody um, or likely will grow into if you are being true to like your soul self within like your core being your if you're being true to your essence these qualities are what's likely to to surface and to appear um because i think and i actually used this example um recently i've been using it more and more um i think when we come to earth (laughs) as children um We are so fresh and we're so vibrant and we're just so excited and like really literally beaming love 
to everyone there ever could be on earth. Um, but then our mom says something about us and we don't know how to handle that. And we just dim our light a little bit. And then the kids at school say something to us and we start to dim our light a little bit. And then um, we get to high school and oh God, (laughs) all different things are starting to form in our brains about like who we're supposed to be, how we need to live, what we need to do to survive. Um, And we can start to dim our light even more. That light is still within, and that truth is still within. It's always within. But because of conditioning and beliefs and things that we accept and kind of add on to who we are, that light might be very dim by the time we reach adulthood. What I find human design is suggesting is like, okay, well, turn the light up on who you are. like. Turn, like, your actual true bright light, turn it up. And this is, this is, like, how you shine. I love that. Did, had you found um, astrology before you found human design? Um, yes. Uh, just because I was more familiar with it. So I always knew, like, I'm an Aries sun, um, Capricorn rising, Virgo moon. I think I'd been studying it, like, loosely, um, probably in the, like, maybe six months before I found human design, Um, and I just didn't resonate with it, um, like, as much. Um, I didn't resonate with it a bunch, but I was really fascinated by it. Um, I think, unfortunately, in my upbringing, astrology was always, it was, it was just deemed witchcraft, and witchcraft was just deemed bad and evil, and so it was just always, like, this thing that for so much of my life was, I was told, like, you can't do that, you can't explore that, you can't look into that. No, no, no. But then I reached the point where I was like, I'm an adult, I get to do what I want, and I was like, I'm gonna look at astrology. Um, And I thought it was cool. And it's still something that I uh, reference and look to. And I actually think astrology and human design layer really beautifully. Um, uh, But when I think about what I feel drawn to work with and to practice, it's totally human design. Um, I think there's just something in my brain that is just like, this is what we want to focus on. And Um, human design, even the reason why I chose to work with it is because one, it gave me that, it gave me that soul level awakening, like of just feeling like, wow, or rather it met me in that experience and maybe even cracked open that experience for me. Um, but also there's just so many layers to human design that I just felt like, and not that there isn't to astrology. Um, but when it comes to human design, I just felt like I will never get bored of this <laughs> because there's so much, there's so much to learn. There are so many ways we can approach it. And um, that just really excited me. Yeah. For someone who is like human design is something that's getting popular and people are talking about it, but a lot of people don't understand it necessarily in the same way people can be like, oh, I'm a Virgo, you know, whatever. And so there's a reference point with that, whereas human design doesn't seem like there is not as common of understanding. And so what would you say the um, benefit of diving deeper with human design is for getting back to your authentic essence as opposed to something like astrology? So I don't know if I could compare them because I don't feel familiar enough with astrology to be able to make a comparison like that. But um, to your point about human design, um, yeah, being a little more complicated to grasp. um, I mean, it is a relatively new system, so it's a fusion of lots of different modalities. um, But it was channeled in the late 80s and so that was not that long ago um and so I think 
uh, when it's just not as popular. It's growing in popularity now. So I think there's some of that. Um, I also think that, especially for highly sensitive people, and one of the reasons I focus on this community is because I'm highly sensitive myself, but also I think so many times highly sensitive people as children were tapped into their gifts, were tapped into just sensing energy, but not having the language for it. Um, But then as part of their dimming their light, they also tried to dim down their gifts and dim down like the things that they were sensing and knew to be true, but weren't allowed to believe themselves or weren't supported in understanding. And because human design is so focused on energy, um, I really think that it helps and I'll just speak for me as a highly sensitive person, like it helped me make so much sense of my experience. So for someone who is like new to human design and isn't exactly sure, um, like maybe wants to go deeper and they feel really drawn to it. I think that's the other thing. Not everyone's going to be drawn to human design and that's fine. Um, But for the people who really resonate with it, I think, actually just starting by exploring the energy centers, which are the nine shapes on that weird, colorful skeleton looking thing um, that maybe has some stuff in color and maybe has some stuff in white on your chart. Um, I think if you learn about each of those centers and what they mean, that that can help you uh, understand more of your human design beyond just having to relate to your type. I so agree. I'm a generator and I I understood what generator meant, but I didn't really understand the way my energy worked until I understood which centers were defined, which there aren't that many. So that was really insightful (laughs) for me. And so I'm actually curious uh, whenever you, say highly sensitive, I'm curious what you mean and if there's an overlay with centers that aren't defined for you when you see highly sensitive beings. Totally. So I use the word highly sensitive person um, really in line with this idea that sensitivity is a trait. So um, it's not something that's good or bad. It's just something that is. And for a certain segment of the population, I believe it's like less than 20% um, uh, of the entire global population that um, of people who are just uh, have a higher sensitivity to external stimuli. So I believe it's technically classified as a personality trait, um, but it's not a disorder. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. And it doesn't mean that you're ultra fragile, but it just means that you're more attuned to um, uh, the sound of the faucet dripping or kind of like what I was saying at the start of the show, like you are very sensitive to textures or sounds. Um, And also because of that, because you're more sensitive to external stimuli, you likely experience your fuses getting blown a lot sooner. So this is kind of why I focus on um, self-care in that also, because I think for highly sensitive people, self-care is like necessary padding to comfortably move through life. Um, And for a long time, I was a highly sensitive person who practiced self-care but I didn't understand how important it was for me. And I was constantly cycling through burnout um, because I was trying to live my life in a way like non-highly sensitive people, but I was experiencing tons of burnout just from regular life. Like not even from, you know, doing ultra strenuous work. I had just a regular 40 hour work week that actually respected my work-life balance and still I felt burnt out at the end of the week um and that's true for a lot of HSPs who um might not know that they're highly sensitive and are just trying to make it through life um not knowing how to take care of themselves and so um 
back to like human design and kind of indicators of sensitivity. Um, I'm also a person who has many centers in white on my chart, meaning they'd be the centers that are undefined. Um, uh, And so at first that was kind of my thinking. I was like, well, maybe just projectors are highly sensitive. And then I started studying and focusing on this. And then I was like, no, that's not true. Because just like you, there are generators who are also highly sensitive. Um, But you might have a lot of white in your chart. Um, So generally, I do think that people who have more white on their chart, so if you're a reflector, automatically, um, uh, because reflectors have all white centers on their on their body graphs. Um, But any other type really could have lots and lots of white on their chart. And so that to me is always like, yep, you're sensitive because you're really sensitive to energy around you. Uh, For people who are listening, what that's indicating, um, white energy centers on your chart are very sensitive to external energy. Um, and, And you perceive that energy differently than people who have color in, um, then an energy center that's in color on a chart. Um, So that's definitely one indicator for me, lots of white on the chart. I will say it's not exclusive to that. So I do know other highly sensitive people who don't have lots of white on their chart might actually have lots of stuff in color, but still identify as a highly sensitive. And so um, I really appreciate respecting people's journeys and respecting people, how people identify. Um, Because a lot of things can influence how we become highly sensitive. Um, For instance, childhood trauma and our early formative year experiences, that can, um, uh, that can cause you to like turn up that trait to become more sensitive because you literally had to. Um, And um, so, yeah, I think what I'm trying to say is I think it's not exclusive uh, in the human design chart, like how sensitivity appears, but um, definitely lots of white in the chart is something I consider when I'm looking at someone's chart. Yeah, I find that so helpful. I have a completely open spleen and a defined emotional center. And it was really affirming to me because I I identify and I've it was something that I didn't really know if I identified with because highly sensitive is often thought of as introvert. And I don't identify with introvert. So, and it was like a fraction of a fraction of highly sensitives or extrovert. And I was like, what are the chances, you know? Um, but I would in the moment of chaos or stress, not be viscerally experiencing it when I was younger until I left. And then I would have physical illness uh, the, the couple of days leaving or be totally wiped out. And as, as I've healed, I've started to be, it's gotten more and more refined and I can feel it in the moment and sometimes even feel people's physical illnesses in my body, which I actually found out was an open spleen thing. So Mm. that's great. But specifically after quarantine, interestingly enough, like totally getting out of the energy of others, it amplified just how sensitive I am. And you actually use Mm. the word textures. And that to me has been, as I've been playing with reading energy and feeling energy for me, it genuinely shows up as sensation of texture. And so I'm curious for you, as you read energy and you're an intuitive and you're highly sensitive, how you experience energy, the energy of others and your own. Mm. You said so many amazing things in there. Um, uh, but I'll focus on your question. So I, um, I definitely experience energy as colors. Um, so I um, also identify as someone who has synesthesia. Um, that has started happening to me this mm-hmm. year. It's never had happened to me. And I had to like Google it and I found out it was a thing. Can you explain what that is for everyone? Yeah. So, well, um, let's see. Uh, what I know about it is that basically it's like your senses being crossed. So, um, 
the way that I experience synesthesia is like I have certain colors for days of the week and numbers and letters. Um, when you have synesthesia, something I also just throw out there is that your uh, synesthesia is usually also considered neurodivergence. Um, it's not a it's not a disorder. I don't believe it's classified as a disorder, but um, it is a form of neurodivergence, which is just thinking differently. Um, or I don't know if that's the technical term, but that's what I mean by it in this case. Um, so I've always felt, I, like I feel color. Um, and I, uh, when I'm listening to music, music has color. And um, that was just my normal. I just thought everyone thought like that until like I got to high school and a teacher was telling us about synesthesia. And I was like, wait, I experienced that. Um, I think that has totally influenced the way that I experience energy and the way that I read energy. Um, I definitely sense things through color. Um, and it's so funny because I was reading a book about energy and they were describing certain colors, meaning certain things. And I was just like, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> like, cause for me, it didn't add up. Um, but I think that's just like the way that I perceive things is definitely through color, um, through sensing color and, and having like a feeling associated with a certain color. Um, I, I also really lean into what feels good and like what feels expansive. So that's taken a bit of time to get familiar with, to figure out like what feels like fear to me and what feels expansive to me. Like um, you used the word like, refine refining like fine-tuning and refining and and so now I'm really really tuning into like just really like the way things feel um I actually have a defined spleen and so something with the defined spleen is uh feeling like if something feels off and uncomfortable that's an indication that like it's it's really not for you and I would say that's probably true for everyone but especially when you have a defined spleen, trusting those tiny senses of comfort versus discomfort is, um, is really key. So that's kind of another way of like how knowing about those energy centers uh, really, really uh, influences the way that I kind of make my decisions or uh, that's how knowing about the energy centers kind of informs my own self-awareness. Yeah, that's so helpful. Knowing for me, the emotional center defined was really helpful in realizing as I coach, I actually don't take on people's emotional stuff. And then what I'm feeling is mine. <laughs> that's really helpful to know. And also the, the conditioning around codependence I received, but I should feel how other people are feeling. And I should, like, that's that was what being an empath was and understanding highly sensitive and then layering human design and getting my chart read was really supportive and understanding it to me. I feel like an energetic intuitive, not an emotional intuitive. And then that reading, getting my chart read, I was like, Oh, that's why. And there was nothing again with the permission. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just how it is. I'm curious as a, as a child, because you mentioned being raised in the church or a church and then, you know, gravitating towards this, you seem like an innately spiritual and connected person. Was that something you always had this connection to spirit intuition? Oh, I love this question. Thank you so much for asking. So I think my inner child was always connected. Um, and I think now that I've done a lot of healing work um, to really reconnect with my spiritual inner child, um, I can reclaim my own connection uh, to source and to God. Um, God 
I used to not like that word for a long time. Um, and even that I'm reclaiming and, um, I can just remember now times of just being a child where certain things made sense to me, uh, but it wasn't supported in my family and it wasn't supported in the church environment I grew up in. Like I can just remember feeling like we were just connected um, to God. And something that really began to shift for me when I decided I'm no longer a Christian. Um, and that's even that <laughs> I want to emphasize, I was at church like three days a week. Like I was in it and wholeheartedly believed it. Um, and if anyone is in that space, I respect that. Um, but it just was no longer a fit for me because I realized that for me, my beliefs in church were based around my own fear. I didn't want to go to hell. And that was really the source of the reason that I was a Christian when I really drilled down into it. And, um, I was like, you know, I think God will understand (laughs) And I just was like, I'm going to start making these shifts in my life. And I can say that now, and it sounds really easy, but it was like my whole earth shattered below me. So um, it's, it's not an easy thing to process necessarily. But I guess the other thing for me that didn't quite resonate about Christianity anymore was just that there seemed to be, in, my, in the way I perceived it, this idea of separation between us and God, and that we had to invite a mediary to help us create that union. Um, and I just no longer see spirituality that way. I no longer see connection to God that way. and. Um, this is totally random, but another thing that it made me think of was like, I realized what I had been attributing to the Holy Spirit was actually my own intuition. Um, and that felt very empowering and also like trippy. But um, now I'm at the place where I just really feel that connection and that harmony again with God um, that I didn't feel for a lot of my life. Um, and it feels really good to be back here. <laughs> I relate to just about everything you just shared. I had a very similar experience of being a deeply connected child. And I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I chose that like later on in my teen years. But I like knew God existed. It just was so obvious to me, this connection with the divine. Like when I remember, I actually remember getting in trouble for drawing on the walls, a picture of God, like reaching down their arms from the clouds to help a child and getting in trouble and being like, you can't punish me for drawing God. Like just so, so sassy about it. But I had this deep connection and it never fully made sense to me that we could be born in sin, like born disconnected from God, because I remembered as a child feeling connected to God. I remembered Mm -hmm. as a child feeling that purity and that divine innocence. And so this, like, your, your good works are as filthy rags. It just was like, "Mm." I mean, like I, I believed it as much as I could, but, and I, I believed I was sinful because of how much unworthiness I carried because of my abuse, not necessarily because I was like, I'm a horrible person (laughs) born in sin. Um, But what you said about realizing that the Holy Spirit was intuition, that for me happened while I was coaching. I was already a coach and I was a Christian coach and then realized that everyone had their like guiding light from within, even the clients that weren't Christian were having these same God experiences. And I was like, the fruit of their life seems pretty abundant, you know, like it's, it's not like there's not fruit here. I think they know God, even if they're not calling it God. And even looking at my friends who like God to them is found in music and that shared connection of worship is found at concerts when we're not in 2020 and like seeing 
that God exists in the connection between people, I was like, oh, well, now I've seen who God really is. But like you, it was like earth shattering. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I love every single thing you said. And I can just so like, so I was like so sheltered um, for a lot of my life. And I remember when I left church that how there were good things in regular life outside of church. And um, similar to what you were describing of like, wait, my non-Christian clients seem to have some connection to something divine or just their own inner wisdom. Um, and, And that to me was also like realizing, oh, it's actually safe to let that go. Got it. And I want to have so much reverence and respect for my upbringing and the church. And um, so I'm a mixed race black woman and my family, half of my family is, is black. And I do think that church, especially in the black community, um, it plays a significant role. It's, it's not just a place of, um, you know, coming together because you all believe something, but it, for a lot of people and and in the history of black church in America, a lot of times it's, it's a meeting place for survival. And it's also a meeting place just for community, just to, to meet with other people who look like you and um, who might be in a similar socioeconomic class or maybe not. Maybe that like in the church that I most recently um, left, like, one of the things that I loved about that community was that I could, we weren't exclusively a black church, but we did have a lot of black congregation, a lot of black people there. And one of the thing I loved there was that we could see so many different kinds of people, um, uh, people who were on television or people who were lawyers or people who are principals or vice principals. And so I, Totally. And even just, even my beliefs in the church, um, in, in Christianity and all that, um, I totally am at the space now also where I can have reverence and respect for what it was at that time in my life. And at the same time, appreciate that I'm just in a different space, believing a different thing, kind of moving through the world in a different way because it feels more aligned for me and where I am at this time. Um, that just felt really important to say, cause I, I, and even when I think back on my experience now, sometimes I miss that level of community that I had. Um, but ultimately I had to go where I felt drawn and I had to um, follow my own intuition and really open up to my own healing. And for me, that meant leaving the church. I thank you so much for sharing the context of why that season of your life was so imperative and why it's so imperative for so many people. I interviewed a black reverend, my friend Dale earlier today in that podcast will go out just a little bit before this one. So if anyone's listening and resonates, especially if you're black, Reverend Dale was it he teaches black liberation theology as a sex positive reverend mm-hmm. and was like you know this is a it's a very tricky place to be in with you know one foot in and one foot out because it's not always accepted to be that way in the church but just his passion for that space to be one that's inclusive so beautiful and there's a place for it so thank you for yeah. bringing that up that's so cool. I'll have to listen to that episode. Yeah, he's really cool. If you, I mean, today you're you're here with me live in August when this is being recorded. Um, but I shared him in my stories today. If you want to like check out his profile, he's really he's really great. So before we wrap up, I'm curious about practices energetically because I know as someone one who is highly sensitive, who also um, we're in a really unique time in 
American history right now in world history, really unprecedented. And there is so much energy all the time. And it's, I've actually heard people say that whenever they're in Canada, it's such a different energy than whenever they're on American soil. And the frequency, the energetic somatic experience of being here in America right now is very charged. Mm. And for this year and for always, and for all people, not just highly sensitive, these practices are important. But I feel especially right now, coming back to our somatic sovereignty, our energetic sovereignty. And what did you say earlier, our, our, it's, it wasn't blueprint. It was our, I think I wrote it down, our na- native frequency, our home frequency. Yeah. Yeah. That's a term that I learned from Maryam Hasnea, um, home frequency. Um, and even like your pure essence, like your pure vibrational essence. Yeah. I use true essence a lot. I love all yeah. these different tr- like languagings. How, what would you recommend for people who are experiencing high level of input as a, as a sensitive being, even if they're not, you know, looking at social media or following the news too closely, even if they already have physical boundaries, they're still energetically experiencing what's going on. So I, I always say, go take a shower. Um, I, I don't know if that's just for me. I find water to be very grounding. Um, but the other thing about when you're literally in a shower is, well, you're usually by yourself. So you're totally in your own field. Um, And water itself can be extremely cleansing. Um, And so if this is a situation where you're feeling particularly charged and you just feel like you can't rest, you're having a hard time resting, whatever, like I urge you to just go hop in the shower, even if it's a quick one. But while you're in the shower, you can visualize literally like a white light cleansing your whole field while you're literally cleansing your body. Um, I mean, it's all energy, like our physical energy and our invisible energy. It's all energy. Um, And so something about being in the shower is also like it gets you out of the zone that you were just in. So you're shifting your energy, you're cleansing your energy. And then um, when you're feeling calm, just like on a body level, something that you can do to tune into your home frequency or your pure vibrational essence or your true essence is just begin to remember what you feel like. Like, that's all it takes to to start. Just really beginning to remember. And the way that you do that is just by tuning in to you. You you get into a calm place where your mind's not running rampant. Um, uh, And that is possible. Take that shower, calm the mind, do some deep breathing, and then just really tune in with the intention of remembering you. And you might feel like you're making it up. You might feel like you're totally imagining the situation, but that's what your imagination's for. Uh, So just go with it. Um, This is this this is unique to everyone. And whatever you are feeling or thinking of, um, it's great for you. So some people experience colors. Um, like me, I picture colors and have a particular feeling around that color. But you might get a whole scene or just see like, I don't know, a beach chair and the ocean waves. And just begin to think of what qualities are within that. So for me, certain colors speak to like fresh and groundedness and um, juicy and expansive. And that's kind of how I uh, picture like the way that my energy feels. Um, Whereas some people, they'll see like clouds and they'll think of freedom and um, being free. And that's how they feel their own energy. So as you begin to get into this practice of like cleansing your energy, calming your mind and your physical body and tuning into and remembering your pure essence, like your soul, soul essence, even your soul essence, like those, that level of awareness and that level of self care and attentiveness to what's going on with you is what helps you tune back in to your energy. And it's also what helps you separate yourself from 
all the energy of everything that's going on around you. That makes so much sense. And I'm curious if this is the same, just like tuning in is all it takes for each type. You know, we have projectors, generators, manifesting generators, manifestors, reflectors. We have all these different energy types. Is that practice really similar no matter what your human design type is? Yes, I suggest that to all of my clients. So that's not even something that's within taught within human design, but that's that's what I'm bringing to human design. And that's actually the thing that I felt like was missing. Like human design is so technical, um, the way that it's talked about. And sometimes I felt like it was just very flat and cold. But I'm like, how is it this sole thing that's so mystical that's kind of just talked about in such a technical way? Um, but I really find, and that's why through my work, I really am blending like these energy work practices and all this talk about intuition and um, self-care. I'm blending that with human design because I think that's what helps us embody our design in a way that's really empowering. Um, and so I definitely suggest that practice to all of my clients. Um, it's usually like the very first thing we get into uh, after looking at a chart. It's like, like, okay, now how do you actually live it? How do you actually remember what your energy feels like? Mm. That's how you're going to do it. Um, whereas your human design chart's going to say like, you could try this and kind of live this way um, and see how it feels. But human uh, uh, tuning into your home frequency, that's like what you actually feel like. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I've found like the little nudges I've gotten. And honestly, some of the teachings that human design have been confusing for me. I am a 4-1. And that so finding anyone with anything to say about that has been really <laughs> challenging. Um, and I, from what I understand, it's like people are like, you have no karma. It's your bonus life. Do whatever you want, except for you have a very fixed fate. And so I'm like, whoa, there's, that's a lot of conflicting information. And I, whenever I got my chart read, she was like, just do what feels good. And yeah. you'll be on the right path. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Like It was yeah. really that simple. And all yeah. that information got me really worried if I was doing it right. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so glad that we like kind of got here because I think that um, is really, really important uh, because I think um, because human design is so technical and also in a lot of teachings on human design, especially more traditional teachings, there's a lot of this use of the word correctness or like living correctly. And that can get so confusing. Um, what I'm about, I'm not about living correctly, <laughs> I guess. I'm more about uh, kind of like what that person said to you. Um, I understand what they meant about it specifically for you as a 4-1, but ultimately the baseline of how I approach human design is that, yeah, do what feels good for everyone. Like ultimately, to me, that's what I think is the point of life. Just like lean into what feels good because that's really like your ultimate guidance system. Um, what feels good and expansive and pleasurable and supportive and is rooted in kindness and love. Like that to me is what good is. Um, and so, you know, last thing I guess I'll share about that is like if you're using human design and you're learning about your chart and you're starting to feel like life around you is really starting to shrink because you're trying to like fit everything into human design and like just really live a good life by following these rules. That's when I always suggest that you just drop it, just drop human design because it's not a rule book and it's not going to work for you in the way that you want when you're using it that way. So I know maybe even certain parts of this conversation have felt so high level and like coded and you don't understand what it means. But um, I think a lot of that will also become clear as you just begin to lean in to your own energy and into what feels good to you. Um, Cause ultimately that's the point to me. 
Yeah. I mean, leaving behind that fundamentalist rule following is sovereignty, finding that home frequency or that home base inside yourself is sovereignty. And I know that's a big part of what all of this is getting back to for you. So good. I wanted to share, I like realized while you were talking that in whenever I was evangelical, I was this sensitive, but I, I didn't allow myself to experience that because I felt mm-hmm. like a lot of the ways that it was was wrong, particularly that like beauty and things being beautiful and beautiful textures around me and beautiful scents around me and certain light being in a certain way. I felt like all of that was manifestation of like sinful desire wow. and coming to realize that like oh, an energy, pr- I'm like looking at my beeswax candle that finished burning on the call and one of my energy practices imagining my body filling with honey and like all the way up to the top and you know weaving through all of the spaces where I'm not taking up all of my space filling it up to the top and then of course I would love beeswax candles the scent of them is honey smells just like honey and how often I think I did this I also think many of us deprive ourselves of the thing that's most obviously good for us because we have a judgment around it of like, I'm not allowed to wear the thing that's the, the high quality linen because, you know, it costs more and that's materialistic. And we have all of these conditions, stories. Yeah. And sometimes it's like that um, might, if we unhook from it being materialistic or being too much or the money element of it, there can be just like, like a pure essential joy in that that is like beyond materialism or the conditioning we have. I just kind of realized that on the call. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing that. I Was there I anything? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask if there was anything else that you wanted to share before we do some rapid fire, anything else we didn't get to that you feel really important to close the conversation. I just want to say to anyone who's felt like maybe I'm highly sensitive as they were kind of listening to this. um, Something I'm learning myself right now is really how I just had to believe myself. Like there were so many things that I was aware of and was tuned into kind of like what you were just saying. Um, but just for whatever reason had a judgment around or didn't allow myself to indulge in because I thought it was indulgent and I thought indulgence was wrong um, or whatever it was. But now um, part of me just owning the fact that I'm sensitive is really just about allowing that to be. And so like you, enjoying the things that I genuinely prefer because I just prefer them and Um, not judging myself for it. And also for me, it's also just believing myself, believing the things that come to me and trusting my own downloads and trusting my own insight. Um, uh, That's, that's just been key. So I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to, to do the same. Would you be willing to share your type and authority and all of that jazz with us? Oh my gosh, how did we make it all the way here? Well, I'm not surprised. But um, yeah, I'm a projector type. Um, I'm actually an energy projector. So what that means is I've got a little bit more of an energy boost than, uh, let's say, a classic projector. Um, And uh, while that's a totally nuanced thing, um, I'm a 5'1", and I have splenic authority. Cool. So good. That one line. I love a good one line. I find that like people who, who are uh, an investigator, like we, we can go pretty deep on topics, which is really fun. Oh, totally. And that's probably why we've had so many great uh, rabbit holes in this conversation because uh, yeah, there's just that like thirst to know and thirst to learn. And I love yeah. that. Whenever I find a 5-1 or a 4-1 or one, anyone with a one line, I'm like, oh, it really explains the uh, one, usually their expertise of something that I'm like, oh, yeah, like, of course, they like they have a foundational knowledge of this. And also just the the, the weird rabbit holes that we, we get ourselves into. Beautiful. Well, uh, I'll share mine for those listening just because I realize that that makes sense. Um, I'm a 4-1 generator emotional authority. So 
Beautiful. Well, let's do some rapid fire. Awesome. What is your spiritual background? I know you touched on this a little. Yeah. So I grew up um, in actually a charismatic non-denominational church. So I had a connection to like my sensitivity even in church. Uh, But church was totally the foundation of my beliefs. Um, Aside from that, like just inner child, younger self connection to mother earth and the divine and all of that. Um, But now I am one of those millennials who consider themselves spiritual, but not religious. And um, wow, 22 year old me would look at myself and be like, who are you? Uh, Because so much has changed. I absolutely relate. 22 year old married Christian self would look at my queer ass now and be like, you're living in sin, you know, just so so good. So how do you know when you know? I know what I know. Um, And this kind of is a human design thing. Uh, Your authority in human design is kind of pointing to how you know when you know a little bit sometimes. But um, I know when I know when it feels right, when it just feels like the perfect fit, like a puzzle piece that's just been, the last puzzle piece has been placed. Like, that's how I know when I know. It's just Mm -hmm. a feeling. And in human design, isn't it authority that points to how you might get that information? Yeah. So I think that can be kind of confusing um, because I think, this is just a blurb, but I think intuition can also point to that for us. And I think that our authority is all usually related to like a yes or no around a particular decision. Mm. Whereas I kind of see our intuition as just more expansive than that. Like our intuition can be the flash of insight or um, a message from our higher self or um, a word from God or source or whatever, or connection with our ancestors. Like, I think a lot of that can be intuition as well. And I think there can be an intuitive knowing that might be different than just a yes or no around decision-making. Um, so I always like to kind of tease that out a little bit. I'm very in the details. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think there is some nuance in like authority and intuition. I think they play well together, um, but they're not like exactly the same. I love that nuance. And I've actually wondered that, to be honest, like where does like hearing from a higher power come in? So thank you for that clarity. Next question is what identities have you had to let go of to own your fullness today? <laughs> well, I think the first one is totally um, like the good, the good girl the good girl. Um, I had to let go of being the good girl. And, um, I lived a lot for a lot of my life. Being the good girl was how I stayed safe and how I kept myself small. Um, and I had to let go of all the things that I thought made it made, made a good girl. I had to let go of what I thought, um, being a good person was, I had to let go of what I thought being a good spiritual person was, Um, and I also had to let go of me being the victim for me to be where I am now. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. What are you most enjoying learning right now? I am really enjoying learning about the people that I work with right now. So when this airs, I'll be in a little bit of a different space, but right now I'm really interested in learning about my, the clients that I serve and um, how I can serve highly sensitive people even better and how I can answer their questions about human design um, to not just talk about human design from this very high level place, but really figure out those um, questions that people have, like you just said about like, I've always kind of wondered what's the difference between intuition and authority. And those are kinds of the things that I was really curious about when I think of my own journey and 
um, answering those questions has been even just the thing that's led me on this path down human design um, to really study it and learn it. And that's honestly what I'm enjoying the most right now. Beautiful. What does grace mean to you? Oof. So I haven't thought about the word grace in like a non-church context in a long time. But I think grace to me, when I really think about it, I think it means allowing. Just allowing. Mm. That's how I define forgiveness. That's really fun Mm. to to see the connection there. What is your go-to coffee shop order? (laughs) I'm not a coffee drinker, but I love chai tea. So I'll usually get chai tea with like oat milk or um, something like that. Like I love a, a good chai tea. Mm. The Oprah chai from Starbucks was like my thing in the beginning of learning about chai. Have you ever had the Oprah chai? Yep. Yeah. Of course, I of course she has her own. Out. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Last question is what do you want? I want people to accept themselves, believe themselves, love themselves, trust themselves. And I want to help them do that. Um, I do help them do that. But also, um, in real life, like, I want to go outside again (laughs) and not feel, um, uh, uh, like, stuck or um, closed off. And I know... um, that's so complex to, to distill and navigate in this time, but that's what I want. I just want like space. And I think that's speaking to like in this moment, I need to practice some self care because I just want space and fresh energy and like to be outside again. Um, and like to really feel super comfortable outside again. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that one. Well, Willow, where can people find you if they want a reading or to learn more about any of your work with highly sensitives? They can find me at my website, um, willowrising.co, or you can find me on Instagram at willow.rising. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you for tuning in to Everything Belongs. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app so that others might find this podcast too. You can find the show notes and find out more about today's guests by going to madisonmorgan.com backslash podcast. And before you go, I want to tell you about Everything Belongs, the membership. For only $17 a month, join my monthly workshop gatherings that will serve as a playground and sacred circle to learn and explore a spirited life fully expressed in your worth, wholeness, and power. Members will have the opportunity to vote on podcast guests, pick workshop topics, send in questions to be answered live on the call, get a monthly journaling PDF, and members-only access to all of my coaching programs. If you're looking for a place to ground, gather, play, and explore all of the conversations shared here on Everything Belongs, then this is a space for you. For more information, go to madisonmorgan.com backslash membership. And if you're not following and chatting with me over on Instagram, please go do that now and DM me and let me know your favorite part of this episode. I cannot wait to hear from you. And until next time, remember that curiosity can be a portal to a rich life where everything truly belongs. See you next time.